0: As we go to the evening and overnight hours, some possibly with heavy rains. Gradual lessening of the winds as we go to the evening tonight and overnight. Returning showers and thunderstorms with some squalls or rain bands tomorrow. Again, the threat will be if one of those get overhead could produce some heavy rains. Overnight lows of 70s back into the 80s for the afternoon tomorrow. Ralph Sanji,
1: WGSO. Think about everything that you save. You save gas. You save money. You save time. But have you ever thought about saving life? That's right, life. In just one hour, you could save up to three lives, giving three people more time with the ones they love. And isn't that the best thing to save? In just one hour, you could save up to three lives, giving three people more time with the ones they love. The need for blood is as universal as it is constant. Save life, give blood.
2: it's a charming time it always is when we start off the food show which we are doing right now as we're thinking about it and it, it's kind of a funny day it's uh, been the last couple of days uh, all of the offbeat items that appear in the uh, friends of everybody doing before and after ideas over uh, during the food show which is you know, pretty much right here right now as the uh, food show and, uh, oh, what was that? <laughs> I turn around and there's this huge uh, something or other behind me. Anyway, uh, here's what you get to do without without having to really uh, push yourself too, too hard, is uh, go through, look, uh, see what comes out of it. Anything you've been worrying about. Maybe there's a restaurant you've been to that you think is really great, nobody has heard about it, or uh, about, Uh, dishes that you have always wanted to try and now here's your chance and we do all of that plus whatever crossed your mind so find your morse or something like that our number is what is our number in a six six no that's not it
3: i'm still trying to think of a morse a morse yes five five six nine six nine six hey there everyone tgif it's friday the end of not only a week the end of a month, another a month, month. <laughs> zipped by in 2020. Boy time flies when you're having fun, huh?
2: Uh, yeah, I, when it, if it stops being fun, then I get out and stop being
3: fun. I mean, I don't know who else is having fun or not having fun, yeah. but uh, it doesn't seem, when you think about it, as a fun year. But it's sure flying, I'll tell you that. So obviously that is not true Time flies when you're having fun. Time just flies, hence the Latin phrase "tempus fugit." Anyway, we're Marianne going to talk about here. food.
2: I forgot to mention that.
3: I think they figured that out.
2: They what?
0: I think, oh, they figured it I think it they
3: out. figured that out.
2: That
0: could be.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you want to talk about anything at all having to do with food, if you want to talk about the big. Big, life-changing event. 15th anniversary tomorrow of Hurricane Katrina. I think that Hurricane Katrina, that this city of New Orleans, has a pre-Katrina and a post-Katrina vibe. They are very different. And um, I call Katrina the great socio Sociological experiment. It wasn't an experiment, it was foisted upon us, but anyway, it changed so very many things, not the least of which is the culinary scene in New Orleans. So if you would like to chat about that, I am interested in hearing what you have to say. Tom has too, and we can talk about that.
2: Well, one part of it for me personally is that uh, I did something that was almost identical with this back around five years ago and uh, it involved what happened with uh, Katrina at that time. And now we've got our own. What, what, what is the name of this uh, guy? The, not, not the guy with it, uh, but the actual person who has been are, talking.
3: Are you talking about, you, you mean on the, on the show or what? On the what show. What are you talking about? Yeah,
2: on the show. On the show is my whole world.
3: Uh, it is. It yeah. is, Tom. Someone's been talking here?
2: I go by Henry like, normally. Well, Since I mean, we've been on the air? If they didn't, we would Since have them no show. Since we've been on the air? Okay. Anyway, uh, somebody wants to talk to you. Yeah, you might. okay, yeah. Let's Who go. I didn't catch that.
3: I think it was probably Don.
2: Don the
3: Gourmet Neighbor.
2: Neighbor. And he's right next to So Donald,
3: Don the Gourmet Neighbor did. texted me right before the show. And I refused to answer his question because I get tons of texts off the yeah. air.
2: What do they want to And
3: know? not a oh. lot of calls on the air. So I don't, well, I, I, I now work. just say, sorry, you have to do it on the air. So the question well. that he asked was, uh, tell me about Lola on the North Shore. Lola. Which we would be happy to do. We would be happy to talk about Lola on the North Shore because it's a wonderful restaurant. Is that okay with you, Don? Uh, <laughs> that's what he called about. <laughs> yeah, that's,
4: that's what I called about. I
3: was... Yes,
4: let let's. Yes, I'll be there. I'll be there next week for my. That's, we're going to be doing that thing there. Remember, that's where we'll be yes. the next days. Yes.
3: Okay, so Hi. here's what here's what what's I would the, say about what's Lola. The for that. Lola.
2: Lola, you told me already.
3: Okay. Yeah, Lola is the scene of two very good things, in my opinion. Okay. First of all, let's okay. just say that Lola is a delicious restaurant. Overall, Lola is a delicious restaurant. If you are going for lunch, are you going for lunch yeah. or dinner? Uh, You're it's
4: probably to- in between. It's in between because we're gonna be shooting that you know we'll be shooting that day.
3: Oh, you are, okay, okay. I thought yeah. you had stopped yeah. that for a while. Okay, so wait, are you gonna do um, it yeah. at Lola? Yeah. Are you doing it at Lola? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Now we'll have to talk about that off the air. All right. So Lola is um, is the scene of my favorite salad ever, which is the grilled salmon salad with the avocado and blue cheese and heirloom tomatoes. And it is the scene of the worst bread ever, anywhere, ever. <laughs> it's like I just Who's don't idea understand. Was this? The bread there. they have this what focaccia the that they make. It, it, it's it's this uh-huh. homemade focaccia. And you know if you're if you're doing something really spectacularly wonderful, then okay, but I don't understand it at all. It's like not good. It's shocking because these two people are great <laughs> restaurateurs, like really okay. good restaurateurs. So okay. I don't know, but anyway, so don't get a sandwich was crotch. my advice. Stay away oh, from the those sandwiches, those sandwiches. Sandwich. if you're going to be those if you're doing a lunch thing. If you're going in between, then I don't know what you're doing, but I would imagine that you're probably going to be doing dinner know. things. But they do have great everything for the most part. They have a wonderful special that they do sometimes. They have an arancini, which is just fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's overall, like the food an is orange great. ball. It's and great. And you can play with it. Yeah. T- <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good for the show, wouldn't it? That's why they buy you know, me to do this. Yeah. So uh, don't the the lunches they have a blackboard of things that are um, specials, which are always interesting. They have a couple of soups. Their soups are great. Um, and then for dinner they have you know also great specials. But yes, great restaurant, cool restaurant. It's a um, It's tucked away deep in downtown Covington. Uh, It's at the train depot. And they actually have a train car that they had sitting there for a really long time until they were able to renovate it. It's renovated. It's gorgeous. I'm sure that's where you'll be doing your thing. And uh, it's going to be a lovely experience for you. I know exactly where you'll be. You'll be in the front of the railroad car, which is sort of a round look like a bulbous end of the car and it's be- have beautiful a oh, beautiful nice. wallpaper and it's it's a really nice place really nice place we like good. it I, I I knew
4: nothing about it now that you said where it was I do remember I do remember that so good that should be interesting you mentioned Arancini. Yes. um yes probably the best I've ever had anywhere and I, I've never heard anybody mention this show we don't cover Baton Rouge a lot I know but is Gino's in Baton Rouge Gino's and, Gino's.
5: Uh,
2: you know uh, that, is, that that's not come up too often uh lately i don't go to baton rouge all that much but they do have a a history of uh that place uh, starting in baton rouge and a few other things with some people with new orleans connections uh yes uh,
4: yes he does have a new orleans connection i cannot remember his last name for the life of me right now and his mother had just won um what is the award they give um restaurant tour of, uh, oh, I can't remember, in New Orleans, it's a big thing, with the association. Oh, the G. Louisiana Restaurant Association? And, yeah. Well, she I don't had, know. Um, she won, oh, a, life, a Lifetime Achievement Award she had won. And, um, oh, the lasagna there is great. It's really old school when you walk in. sort uh-huh. of It you, sounds like it. Any place
2: called
3: Geno's is going to be old school.
2: It's his father, who are really old school,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, who have been it, there for a looks- long time, and and they the public uh, really loves, loves Where them. is it? Uh, well, it's nowhere now, but it's coming back. Uh,
3: no, it's in Baton it's Rouge. In, where, where is it in Baton Rouge, Tom? It, it, it's in Baton Rouge,
4: probably about two miles, three miles away from LSU.
3: Okay.
4: I can't remember. the. I is think it on a main place.
3: thoroughfare?
4: Yeah, that main drag when you get off the interstate it's to go visa. left to no, and toward uh, LSU, LSU. I can't remember the name of that Acadian street. Thruway so Walt- College? Drive? College. Maybe it's college. It might be college. Okay. Good. Uh-huh. I mean, good stuff. Lasagna is great. They do a great salad. They make their own dressings. It's really, lasagna is awesome. So one of those it's blasts nice from the
3: past that has a charm for being a blast yes. from the past. It
4: reminds you when you walk in of Sal and Sam's. That's the look and feel. Oh, my goodness. That's the look and <laughs> feel, yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Place. If you're ever out there and need somewhere to eat, it's probably the best restaurant in Baton Rouge.
3: Is that right? Really? You like, do you like it better than Jubin's? Oh, yes. Jubin's is done.
4: Jubin's is old. Jubin's is still cooking f- food from 1982. Okay. You know, I mean, All right. The, uh, that's interesting. The, Hall- the Hallelujah crab was great, but, you know, we got to move on. Oh, is that I the one? <laughs> I, I think of wedding food when I think of <laughs> Jubin's because that's, that's what I feel like I'm eating.
3: Okay, well, you uh, know, um, then don't go to Dakota because they're still doing the Hallelujah Crab. I didn't know that—that's what it's called. But it's really a nice presentation. But you're right.
4: It originated. Jubin, Jubins did that first here. I'm sure it was done. Yeah, for, well, that's um, where they're both they, from. Yeah.
3: They both met at Jubins.
4: Oh, there you go. Well, there—that's where it comes from. And
3: you know, it's a nice presentation. Yeah. But
4: anybody with a you know with a vat of oil and a spoon can do it. It's not very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> You know, by <laughs> the legs first and flip them
3: over. That's it. Okay.
0: <laughs> and while
6: you're
4: at it, turn well, them upside I'll, down. I'll, I'll, catch up we, I'll catch up to you when we head that way, okay?
3: Sounds good. Okay. Cool. All right, take care. All right, uh, that was Don, the gourmet neighbor, who we always love to hear from, and uh, he just wanted to report on Lola, which is up on the North Shore, and uh, deep in Covington, down the street, actually, from my favorite place, Oxlot 9. I love Lola, too, though. There's some good restaurants on the North Shore. We really do.
2: It's getting little by metal. By
3: well, uh, I, these are places that have been around for a while. But, um, I mean, we have probably, what, water. six or seven restaurants over here that could definitely hold their own on the South Shore. Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six is the number. If you want to talk to us, we'll be right back after these messages.
2: Have you ever eaten something new and wondered where it had been all your life? We thought that about Double D Sausage after having it at a friend's house. But restaurants all over town serve it in their gumbo, red beans, and jambalaya. It's made right in Bogalusa and the company is in its third generation. Double D Sausage is a light-smoke pure pork sausage with notes of sage and other spices. Try the regular mild and hot and new flavors like the Cajun variety and jalapeno and cheddar. Double D Sausage in stores all over town. Bistro Orleans, it's back with its familiar classic New Orleans cuisine in a casual setting serving only Louisiana oysters and always wild-caught Desalman's catfish and the seafood boat. Carnival Time Lounge has happy hour Wednesday through Friday. Bistro Orleans is open daily for lunch at 11, dinner Wednesday through Sunday. Bistro Orleans, 3216 West Esplanade in Metairie,
5: 304-1469. This is Lenny Minutello, chef owner of the Happy Italian Pizzeria in Harahan, home of the original meat sauce pizza and sesame crusted muffalata calzone. The Happy Italian is serving our new full menu. dine and seating is limited. Takeout and curbside is available. Catering is available any day. Happy Italian Pizzeria in Harahan Open 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Friday, Saturday, and Monday for lunch and dinner Sundays 11 a.m. to 3 p.m.
2: for lunch Find us at happyitalian.com for info and online orders Like us on Facebook
3: and love us on your
5: taste buds
2: Autumn in New York Why does it seem
3: so inviting? I wonder if it would this year. I wonder if Autumn in New York will be inviting this year. Probably not 556-696 Five five six six nine six 696 is the number. You know, we were talking about, uh, it's TGIF, by the way, Friday. Go ahead and give us a call. might be relaxing on a Friday afternoon, the end of the month, the end of the week. It's just kind of shocking how quickly everything is going by. Um, we're talking about Baton Rouge and Jubins and that Tom Reminds me of your edible dictionary word of the day, which will mean nothing to you, but probably a lot to a lot of people. Yeah? Mm-hmm. The edible dictionary word of the day is kush-kush.
2: That's an easy one. Go to Cajun country. Give me kush-kush. Go back to sleep. <laughs>
3: It's an old Creole and Cajun breakfast dish made by combining cornbread stale pieces left over from a few days ago with milk or cream and sugar and simmering it until soft. The name probably comes from the sound the stuff makes when you work it with a fork to get the to soften the old cornbread. You say this with some authority, but you used to watch your mother make it for herself. Nobody else was interested when you were a kid. There is also a story that the name comes from couscous. That's what I always thought. The Northern African dish of granular pasta. Though some roundabout adaptation in Cajun country. Although not many people eat couscous anymore, the dish lives on in a football cheer for the LSU Tigers. It must be said. must be said with a Cajun accent and it comes out like this. All of you LSU fans out there, let's say it. Hot, boudin, cold, coosh, coosh. Come on, Tigers. Poosh, poosh, poosh. How many times have you heard that if you go to LSU games? Big one. That's a big one. Anyway, uh, coosh, coosh doesn't sound like much of anything other than an LSU cheer. I would never eat that. Did you actually well, ever? Why not? Did your mom? Did your mom make that, Tom? Oh, sure. She did.
2: Uh huh. She wasn't so, Cajun, but that was easy. I mean, it's right. Well, it's it. cheap.
3: I mean, it's definitely cheap for sure. Yeah. So I would imagine the Cajuns, who were always economically inclined, um, probably did do that a lot. I mean, you just didn't waste things back then like you do now. I made Tom eat that tuna leftover from Chifuncta's earlier today, <laughs> Tom, was it okay? Was yeah. the tuna okay? Yeah. He had this beautiful three slabs of um, bluefin tuna at Chifuncta's. And we had eaten quite a bit. So he ate about half of it. And I said, I'm absolutely going to bring that back home and you will eat that. <laughs> and so I cooked it for him today because I don't, I don't like to waste things. A lot of people do waste a lot of things today, but I don't do that. Was something um,
2: was something getting? No, wasted? I'm just
3: thinking about wasting things because I, I was thinking that I made you eat that tuna for lunch today. So couscous. So your mom actually ate that.
2: She didn't call. Again, I tell you, she doesn't didn't call it that, but she knew what it was. It was this kind of uh, like a key, sounds uh, like a, a pile of gruel shod- to me. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is.
3: It's <laughs> like a pile but of then sweet dough uh-huh.
2: putting your spill on it then you could put different spell on it and back and forth and uh, a lot of laughter going back and forth and it's it's a lot of fun and very family oriented.
3: Okay, so couscous is made with cornbread.
2: Could
3: be. It could be. Because, you see, I could, I could say that cornbread, by the yeah. way, it's National Cornbread Day. Also, National Red Wine Day. I want to talk about that a little bit. Maybe we'll get Tim McNally in on things later in the, in the evening. The wine?
2: Um, wine. Wine, hmm? wine uh, National
3: Day? Red Wine Day. Oh, okay. Yeah. They so ought to be able to find some, I think, huh? I would imagine so. It's pretty yeah. easy to I'm find, have to I check on think. That. that was one of the things I, would think. I was... Anyway, cornbread... Out. Uh, I think that you could make cornbread. Yeah. You could make, if, if the main ingredient in couscous is cornbread, then why would you not make a savory application of that? Has anybody ever had couscous? If you went to LSU, did you wonder what couscous was? Was it available? I don't know. I'm curious. I know.
2: Well, it seems like one puts competition on the other.
3: I mean, I never, uh, I always thought the cheer was kind of interesting, but I never did actually investigate what kush kush was. But I mean, it doesn't sound horrible if you were thinking about it in sort of a savory way. Like I would, well, I mean, basically, cornbread dressing, which I love. Mm-hmm.
2: That's uh, all remember good.
3: when we had our cornbread dressing phase for Thanksgiving? We used to make cornbread dressing every Thanksgiving. And I love cornbread dressing. It's good. I thought your cornbread dressing yeah. was really good.
2: It's a it's a delicious combination of things it is. and, and it it, is. the te- texture yes. aspects make good feelings and well and deliver some I news. thought our
3: cornbread dressing was a little bit dry, but I still loved it. And um, and when I mean I grew up in a in a house where we had a gigantic turkey which would have been ten pounds heavier than the kind of turkey that you recommend. You always said that a smaller turkey was better, but we had something like a 22-pound turkey because we had nine people. And, and my mom cooked one giant turkey in this very big roaster that I described that she used for her chicken cacciatore recipe. Whether it was really catch, chicken cacciatore or not, that's what we called it. But, um, and then she had that giblet dressing You know the kind where, Mm -hmm. and this was so disgusting. I used to watch her do this, but then I would love the dressing, so I didn't. I didn't really care. Well, no, the giblet dressing was, or is it giblet? It's giblet, right?
2: Yeah, sure. You can do darn near anything you want.
3: Okay, so she would take stale bread, and she would run it under the water. This is so gross, and then she would wring it out like a sponge, and that was what she would put in her dressing. It would go in like this wet sponge into her mixture.
2: Well, oh, why keep <laughs> giving her that? Why don't you buy something
3: else instead So it. then, no, no, I loved it. I actually oh. really loved her dressing. But it was basically a bread dressing. I mean, that's, I, I don't know if that's what a giblet dressing is. I usually think of that as sort of a rice thing. But anyway, she used all the innards from the turkey. And then that that squeezed bread, spongy stuff, and made that the dressing. And then when I married you... Our, our Thanksgiving dramatically changed. There was no more gravy. Wait a we minute. did a smoked turkey.
2: Back up a little bit.
3: I'm talking about when we took over the family Thanksgiving festival. We changed it a lot. It changed dramatically. It went from that, that giblet stuff to cornbread dressing. And smoked turkey with no gravy instead of turkey and gravy well if you and like my it, siblings like who all came got over it because everything else was so very good but that became our thanksgiving thing but i always did like your corn cornbread dressing and we stopped making it when everyone stopped eating it it was like it's like nobody ate it after a while we had a lot of cornbread dressing left and then we looked at ourselves and we went well you know why are we making this because it's not being eaten and that was kind of the end of the cornbread dressing, which is too bad because I love cornbread dressing.
2: Young uh, people, I think, might be. that. Might... I don't know.
3: Well... These were not younger people at that time. These were little no. kids and older people. Um, in, in November, which, again, I think will be here before you know it, I think all of November, the Parkway, Parkway Poor Boys does their Thanksgiving Poor Boy, where they actually have the roast turkey gravy, Cornbread dressing and cranberry sauce on Sounds a good. poor boy.
2: Where did they get the cranberries?
3: It's that canned cranberry stuff. I think it oh. is. I, you know, I'm ah. saying that, but I might be blaspheming. You I, can don't really get some I
2: don't know. I don't know
3: if it's homemade cranberry. It might be. I've never, I've never had one, but I've heard about it. And so, cornbread dressing is uh, is sort of like the the way you think of. Thanksgiving. You know, it's funny because you don't, there's a lot of dressings out there, particularly in New Orleans, who have an oyster dressing. But most people think, I think, when you think about dressing at Thanksgiving, uh, you either think of that stovetop stuff, or if you're making your own, it's probably cornbread. I could be wrong, though. I mean, I'm just thinking, just thinking about cornbread today.
2: Thank, you know, thank goodness for uh, my ham blackened.
3: Your root beer root glazed, glazed. ham turns up everywhere, Tom. But
2: boy, is it good. No,
3: it's good, but that's why it turns up everywhere. But you invented that. I absolutely know, because I was there, that the first, you know? first time that was ever seen was when you invented it. Yes, way back.
7: Way thinking, back for our Thanksgiving
3: a, uh, in the late 80s.
2: A Dr. Pepper version of it.
3: Why not? Absolutely. Why, Why not? not? You certainly it's are collecting enough. Connection. You're certainly connecting enough uh, uh, sodas around here, um, but you know it doesn't really matter, really, because it's just the sugary soda. You know, I don't think it matters if. It's, although I don't know, Dr. Pepper. I have to think about that. i I totally, have to think about if I'm going to allow.
2: Have an allowable <laughs> uh,
3: We have to. We have to hold that thought. Yeah. We'll be back after the bottom of the hour news from the Louisiana Radio Network. More talk of cornbread and other such things. Food talk.
8: Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Matt Doyle. Lake Charles Mayor Nick Hunter tells Lake Charles residents that they need to understand it'll be weeks before any sense of normalcy can return to the area. Hunter says power and water are out and there's very little in the way of vital services.
4: Look, secure your property, and if I were you, I would get out of town. If I wasn't the mayor of Lake Charles right now and I didn't have to be here, I promise you I'd I'd probably be with my family out of
9: town right now.
8: Because of the lack of Water Memorial Hospital in Lake Charles is evacuating patients, and on-campus classes at McNeese State University in Lake Charles will not be available for weeks. McNeese spokesperson Candace Townsend says roofs have been peeled back and the school had a newly installed scoreboard at the football stadium torn up, but they're still committed to finishing out the semester. I can't
3: tell anyone right now how that's going to look, but I know that we did it back in 2005. We'll do it again and we will have everyone back on campus just as soon as it is safe to do so.
8: And Saints owner Gail Benson reportedly has COVID 19. LouisianaRadionetwork.com.
4: Tiger Rag. Let's go. Protecting the American people.
10: Can still be contained.
6: Let me start off by saying,
10: 2019 was an incredible year for the Tigers. 2020, however,
5: the crazy part, ladies and gentlemen. Even without sports for the last few months,
10: we here at Tiger Rag Magazine have been telling the stories behind LSU athletics, and it's been filling our pages with can't-miss content. Now we're looking forward to filling Tiger Stadium this fall. I
7: have never had anything but a good
10: time. But we got to keep that coronavirus under control. The spread of coronavirus is a serious matter. We're all in this together. The sports world is constantly moving and constantly changing and Tiger Rack keeps you updated at the newsstands and on the web at tigerrag.com.
7: On the internet,
5: worldwide. When it comes to LSU athletics, Tiger Rack Magazine is the MVP Most Valuable
7: Publication I'm standing in a cage with five full-grown Tigers in line Catch the stories you need
10: to know with the real Tiger King Online at TigerRack.com
2: I remember the day when someone at the radio station brought me a bottle of Cousins salad dressing. It was made by a young couple in small batches, and it was delicious. I was proud to have them sponsor my show just as I am now, but the line has expanded since then to include an olive oil, an herb vinaigrette, fresh salsa, and blue cheese, as well as an original Creole tomato, a delicious dressing that also makes a great quick dip. Cousins Salad Dressings, in the produce section at your favorite store. CousinsProducts.com Tony Mandina's roots go back to Salaparuta, Sicily. His father left in 1924, but those connections are still powerful. The restaurant uses extra virgin olive oil and wines made at Villa Mandina in the ancestral home. Tony's restaurant started in 1982 with 14 tables and has grown to seat 180 with his daughters and granddaughter running it now. Now, this West Bank favorite still serves their delicious Sicilian New Orleans menu in a place that feels like home, and pick up some of their famous red gravies sold in groceries all over town. Tony Mandina's,
5: 1915 Pratt Street, Gretna, 362-2010. Hello, hello. Daniel, the gourmet cellist here. I'm big into coffee, and I've got Parrish Coffee keeping me company in lockdown. This is a great breakfast brew, I guess that's why they say Wake Up to Parish, but it remains consistent throughout the day, robust yet mellow at the same time. I love this luxurious coffee, and I can't believe the price. With no idea how long we'll be locked down, it's good thing I can order it online at parishcoffee.com. See the full lineup there, and hashtag Wake Up to Parish.
2: I like a Gershwin
3: tune. How about you? Yes, indeed. Five five six nine six nine six. But we have a guest that's going to tell us about an event that's coming up. Hi, Michael.
9: How are you doing? I I like a Gershwin tune as well.
3: (laughs) Who doesn't love a Gershwin tune? (laughs) Blue skies. Can you can go ahead, Michael?
9: I love, yeah. I love I love any anything Gershwin, all this classic, Ivan Berlin, all that classic uh, Broadway stuff is beautiful stuff. Music to my ears.
3: Well, I'm glad you like it because we have it as bumpers throughout the show. Tom ah, loves to sing, and um, we love to give him the opportunity to do that. Although not too much, so we <laughs> let him, we let him have a couple of bars after we come back from the commercials usually. So, what Ooh. you got for us today?
9: Well, I've been doing a pop-up out of uh, Bywater Bakery. Uh, normally, it's an after-hours thing that I do on Tuesdays, Friday, and Sunday from um, uh, 5.30 to 7.30. And I, I post it online at, at Facebook and social media called Dom's Soul Kitchen. It's at 3624 Dauphine Street, Bywater Bakery. But uh, this week, they're out of town, so I'm doing a live pop-up during a day from 10 to 6 p.m. from today through to uh, Tuesday. So oh, it's, perfect. It's a, it gives me the opportunity to cook things that are warm because normally I serve things that are meant to be uh, brought home and cooked at home. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing live cooking here so that everything is warm. I still have all the stuff I could serve to go as well, but, but this is meant to be uh, enjoyed here or, or taken home and eaten uh, today.
3: Well, the Bywater Bakery is not very big, so how many people can you seat there in under the current circumstances?
9: You'd be surprised. I mean, we, we're not really? doing uh, uh we're not doing uh indoor service, but there's there's some tables uh, yeah. uh, around the place, and then people come and hang out, and then uh, we have music sometimes. So tonight we're going to have uh, uh, Alex McMurray and Jonathan Fralick, weather permitting, and then we also have some music on Sunday, which is uh, which is um, Alex McMurray with um, uh, King, uh, Kings of the Small Time, which features his his, uh, his friend on accordion as well. And that's no be cool too. Uh, he does. He might do a little Gersh. You never know. You know, Gershman's always there. You know, it's ever present. Um, <laughs>
3: like so, Sinatra, so always. Uh, my
9: my thing is like it's it's a it's a very spontaneous project. You know, I, I, I'm a veteran of the restaurant industry. I worked at Galatoire's. Mm-hmm. I worked on both coasts, and I've been in, a, in the restaurant industry for 30 years as a waiter primarily. Mm-hmm. And I never really uh, uh, was a, a chef or anything like that. But I've been cooking for the last uh, five months nonstop. And what happened was basically, um, I started out um, feeding people because there's a very, very generous uh, local produce company called Louisiana Fresh. And right after the um, shutdown, if you remember, uh, a lot of a lot of places, purveyors in particular, had all this food. Whether it's yeah. milk or vegetables, they were all going to go bad. They were meant to go to hotels, and everything got shut down all at once. So all of a sudden, there was a, a back a backlog of all this food. So they they contacted us, and I went to went to their their warehouse and got um, boxes and boxes of, of, of produce. So I cooked all this produce, made soups and everything else. And then I started started distributing myself to all these people I knew that were out of work. A lot of them were burlesque dancers or bartenders and servers, independent workers of all kinds. And it, it went from like five people to about uh, 50 people within a couple of, couple of days, actually. I would imagine. And, I <laughs> and, then, and then just before Mother's Day, I said, well, let me, let me kind of switch gears here and start offering some of this food. Um, for 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 uh For payment, you know to basically yeah, catch sure. up because i, I had, at this point I, I had uh spent thousands of dollars of my own money to, to yeah. keep this going and I wanted to kind of like recoup some of that and just offer different food um, mm-hmm. and so I was able to to do a lot of things and my heritage is uh, Cuban and uh, uh, Sicilian Italian, so uh, my menu kind of reflects that of course, in local foods and, and, and inspirations from other places i've been. So I'll give you a, a, kind of an example of what I have just for today. I'm doing a Thai green curry with uh, shrimp and vegetables. Uh, all of my plates, uh, you know, they're like small plates. They're $10 each. And mm-hmm. I have Cuban roast pork, which is, you know, this inc- mm. incredible, simple dish. But it's it. like, you know, it cooks for hours with that uh, beautiful mojo sauce, which mm. has uh, sour oranges, garlic, uh, bay leaf, salt, and pepper, a lot of cumin and coriander. And you just take that pork butt and you cook it for anywhere from uh, – 12 hours to more, and it just falls off the bone. It's incredible. That sounds delicious. great. And yeah. I'm serving that with congri, which is basically a Cuban fried rice dish with rice and black beans with a little bit of fat back, and it couldn't be any more delicious than that.
7: Yeah, and that then I you're a,
9: right. A have
6: uh,
9: Yeah, arroz con pollo, uh, also one of my mom's classics, which is basically uh, a saffron rice that she served with chicken, and it's just very savory. It's a... Uh, you start eating it, and it's gone in two minutes because you can't stop. It's so good. Yeah. Um,
6: yeah.
9: I have some lighter things like prosciutto. I, I always like the combination of uh, prosciutto, with melon, and, and, and prosciutto and figs. So I'm, I'm offering both together, a plate with prosciutto ham with fresh uh, um, um, melon and also some beautiful figs that I procured. And then I have uh, kind of more of a more of a southern-style dish, which is a grilled shrimp, head-on shrimp, that the bodies are peeled. And, uh, with some uh, uh, cornbread, and it's served with like a chili lime butter. Really tangy. It's delicious. Um,
3: it's National like Cornbread Day, by the way.
9: Oh, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> I also do a uh, a variation of enchiladas, and mine have I, I I I like chorizo, but I find that a lot of chorizo is way too intensely flavored with all that all that uh, paprika. So I found a product that I really like. It's a um, it's a uh, uh, Argentinian chorizo, which is much more subtle with the spices. And I add that with black beans, uh, sweet roasted summer corn, goat cheese, and then a sofrito and salsa verde, and serve that uh, baked as an entree as well. That's very, very delicious with oh, those chorizos. Uh, ter- um, mm-hmm. You know, hatched hatch, uh, chilies are in season right now. So mm-hmm. I do a couple of hatched chili, chili dishes, including that uh, uh, enchiladas, but also hatched chili con carne. Um, I also have a hatch soup, hatch, uh, hatch chili pepper uh, chicken tortilla soup, and I have some classic gumbo's. I have a shrimp gumbo today. I have corn and crab chowder. Uh, I have a you know wonderful minestrone for people that want vegetarian food. That's really good as well. Then I have a, another simple plate. I, uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of champagne grapes. So I have champagne grapes. Then I have like a cheese plate with a brie and blue cheese. That's some of what My I have. Goodness. Yeah, so I got a lot, a lot, a lot to offer today. So at, at, you're, you're doing movement.
3: all this cooking? You're doing all this cooking.
9: Well, I have uh, uh, some uh, former, former co-workers from restaurants that help me out with the cooking. Uh-huh. And, some of these-
3: and, and you're cooking out of the Bywater Bakery?
9: Yes. Uh-huh. Now, I have to say this. Now, I don't know how many people uh, out there have like, Cuban uh, um, mothers out there. But my Cuban mother, when she, she cooks some of the Cuban food, and I do not get to touch it at all. <laughs> she, she does not <laughs> let me touch her Cuban pork. I look at it, I tell her it's delicious, but that's the end of that. So this is, the, is as authentic as it gets. Sometimes you just have to get out of the way of greatness, right? She knows, so she your knows,
3: mom is doing the cooking of the Cuban food?
9: Yeah, well, this just that one dish, the uh, Cuban uh-huh. uh, pork. But, you know, this is like, she hangs her hat on this. There isn't a family uh-huh. gathering that we had that doesn't have Cuban <laughs> Well, pork it sounds dish. good, I
3: have to tell you. It sounds oh, really good.
9: Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's good.
3: So this sounds like it's it's a it's a career now for you huh
9: well it's certainly going that way I mean who knows I mean one thing about this this um, situation we find ourselves in it, it, it certainly um, uh, beckons the spirit of the entrepreneur that, That's uh, right. that rolls with the punches and you know That's right there's so many a lot of times in life you know there's there's opportunity and chaos and despair That's you know right yeah, we know this from, from, from Katrina, you know, the word, there are winners the and losers in
3: and everything. Yes.
9: Yeah. And, and the buzzword for something like that is resilience, right? Resilience and perseverance. Right. And you're doing it. I mean, you're doing it when you're serving through the people. There's a great joy in that, but it's also just like, it's in my DNA and the, the, just the process of cooking is very therapeutic. Uh, I recommend mm-hmm. it to anyone. I'm sure Tom does. Tom loves cooking and, You know, you don't have to work in a restaurant to know this. Just, just this idea of following steps—all these things are very, very uh, nurturing and calming. And then you have something
3: comforting. Yeah, food is comfort. Yeah,
9: Yeah. it's also you know it's an educational experience where you can learn things and you grow as a person. And when you share it with people, there's a there's a conversational element to it that I think all of us love. Mm
6: -hmm.
9: I mean, you know, because your whole show is a conversation, correct?
3: Right. I mean, it's all it's all about centered around the comfort of food. Yeah. I mean, I, I said from the beginning when we moved this show that um, it was going to be a respite from all the bad news out there. That you can Correct. you can take you know two hours off from all of that and and focus on the way you just described your mom's pork i mean i'm still thinking right. about your mom's pork right now <laughs> you know what i mean you know, it, and it's, yeah. it's 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 a much better thing to think about than a lot of the things that we've been thinking exactly. about exactly and, and so. if you think
9: of this just in terms of energy that we put forth in the world this is something uh, like 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 great music and great food bring people together from all stripes all persuasions all cultures all these things food is one of those uh, things that is an entree into this uh, world of, of civility and, and helpfulness, right. right? The a portal you know of humanity. It's, it's, so, it's so true. Cause like you, especially if you talk about, uh, you know, food from other cultures, oh. a, a, a lot of times the, the, the way many of us are exposed to a culture, you go visit another country, you try their food, you mm-hmm. see what's similar or different. And you, and you open your eyes and your hearts to why things exist and why, why certain foods, uh, uh, resonate in certain areas, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's an, it's a great journey in life to, uh, to cook and to dine and to have this pleasure. You know, one of the, one of the situations in our lives that are just almost pure pleasure.
3: Absolutely. It's all about uh, pleasure. I mean, it's, as long as you, you need, need pleasure. Dishes. I mean, life is, is <laughs> not, uh, it's, <laughs> it's challenging right now. So you definitely need the pleasure part. Can you hold on for a few minutes? We're going to talk to you Absolutely. a little bit more if you have time. Okay. Sure. All right. We'll be back right after these messages.
2: Tony Mandina's roots go back to Salaparuta, Sicily. His father left in 1924, but those connections are still powerful. The restaurant uses extra virgin olive oil and wines made at Villa Mandina in the ancestral home. Tony's restaurant started in 1982 with 14 tables and has grown to seat 180 with his daughters and granddaughter running it now. Now, this West Bank favorite still serves their delicious Sicilian New Orleans menu in a place that feels like home, and pick up some of their famous red gravies sold in groceries all over town. Tony Mandina's, 1915
5: Pratt Street, Gretna, 362-2010. Hello, hello. Daniel, the gourmet cellist here. I'm big into coffee, and I've got Parrish Coffee keeping me company in lockdown. This is a great breakfast brew. I guess that's why they say wake up to parish. But it remains consistent throughout the day, robust yet mellow at the same time. I love this luxurious coffee, and I can't believe the price. With no idea how long we'll be locked down, it's good thing I can order it online at parishcoffee.com. See the full lineup there and hashtag wake up to Paris. Care restaurant and supply
2: has reopened for you to come in and shop. Care has all the wipes, gloves and sanitizing supplies that you may need and face masks. They have a great selection of takeout containers too. call Billy to help you plan the renovation of your kitchen or dining room. Home cooks will find a great selection of kitchen tools too. hours are eight to four weekdays right now. Buy local. Our city depends on it. Care, hotel, and restaurant supply. Call 482 4815 Conti Street. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island, too. Sarah may be drinking, too. the kind of
3: romance. Tom just starts making it up as he goes along, Michael. So, Do you like that one?
9: <laughs> I, love, I love that song
3: yeah yeah we have we have a whole bank of them, so uh maybe you can no, no, we'll send some I, over and you can I, pipe I, I them do, into I the restaurant. Prefer, How's that
9: sounds great. I do prefer Tony Bennett's version for Tom's, but you know I'm, we're, we're just putting hairs here
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is obviously a new direction for you that you had you thought about doing this before or was it just something well, that you were motivated I mean,
9: I mean, I, by I, I think I think that, you know, many of us that work in the, in the restaurant industry, we all have fantasies of, of opening Secret up a fantasy. restaurant. And, in a way, though, know, uh considering the hours I put, let's just say that fantasy is, is, is this, not as tantalizing as I, you know, once <laughs> thought. Because I do everything. And I'll tell you what, I have so much respect much more respect yes. now for dishwashers, for cooks, for, uh-huh. you know, prep cooks, all that stuff. You know, when you see a, a chef in a, in a, in a, on television or whatever on one of these food shows and they just walk into that walk-in and everything is chopped for them and the sauces are all made, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would love to live that fantasy. But that's not, <laughs> the, that's not the world I work in. I chop all my vegetables. I make <laughs> all my sauces. Everything I do is from scratch. And so the, joyous, the joyful part for me is like going to a farmer's market Going to a grocery and seeing what's seasonal and fresh, and just being able to buy it, knowing I want to make something delicious with it—that's a real pleasure for me. And I'm, I'm able yeah. to do that on a, on a, on a scale where it's, it's still doable. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 that's a big part of it for me—is just the, 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 the tactile joy of just like you know inspecting the, the fruit or vegetables or whatever it might be getting, and knowing that I'm going to make something great with that. And just like I said, you know, seasonal inspiration—whether it's Hatch chilies or Creole tomatoes. You know, fresh figs from, from the backyard, whatever it might be, fresh herbs, you know, all this beautiful basil that's growing right now. All that is an endless source of inspiration for me because, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's how the menus evolve with the seasons. And, you know, being in touch with all that, I do think one of the great parts about what's happening now is that people are really starting to appreciate uh, farmers markets and small farms and reconnecting with that, even, even becoming uh, avid gardeners. So there is definitely an upside to this because we have the time. Oh, there's no question the about
3: the upside. Yeah, yeah. You
9: know, it's just mm-hmm. it's just like being able to to even even able to grow something and and like being able to to pick fruit from your garden or vegetables from your garden a few months later. It's a very rewarding thing in its own right.
3: Yeah, yeah. So my, you know, we have a segment on her. Thursdays with uh, Nicole Dorignac from Dorignac's because yeah. For my own sake, I can tell you that I am—I have a raised awareness of what goes on behind the grocery shelf. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, supply so chains. Been a you know, and, I've been
9: knowing her for over 30 years. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well,
3: yeah. she's on on Thursday. She does a regular report with us about things that are missing from the supply chain and why. And, and, I mean, these are things that you never did think about before. But now you realize, hey, you know what? In order for me to walk into a grocery store and have whatever I want when I want it, there was somebody at 3 o'clock in the morning that was putting that on the shelf. And you just you start thinking yeah. in a whole different way now, you know? Absolutely. So I, yeah, absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, it sounds like you're a born chef. Did you cook with your mom?
9: Uh, I, n- I never really cooked with her. You know, um, both of us share a similar trait in the kitchen. We're very territorial. <laughs> 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 I, I think you share really that with like, a lot of people. Yeah, I, I like to, like, be in the zone. And, uh-huh. and, you know, if somebody wants to help me chop vegetables or clean dishes or, you know, sprinkle some herbs here mm-hmm. and there, fine. But I, I like to watch things and kind of cook, cook things all the way through. Now, you know, in my kitchen now, I work with, a, you know, a professional chef. Uh, and he and I collaborate, and to me, when I, he he, uh, he calls me MacGyver because I'm able to uh, create things kind of spontaneously, right? And he's more old school Creole mm-hmm. chef where everything's a recipe and you, you do things mm-hmm. by the book and by the numbers. But so what's mm-hmm. what's great about our collaboration is he's able to really um, uh, 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 streamline the process and go from start to finish in a much more fish which is uh, my my cooking sort of very varies you know like mm-hmm. m- and it, i i have a a little different approach to things but you know my thing is i'm tasting the whole way i'm cooking the whole way because because i'm creating make, I make you're creating as you go, as go on. on the spot
3: yeah yeah
9: exactly you know and i think part of what's happened with covid is that it's almost the same thing you're talking about with the cold of what's available so if this pepper yeah. is unavailable you go try something else if if you know you have to you have to you know make do with what you have and i think that's something that that goes back to anyone that's ever you know gone through hardship and realizing that you know you make a potato stretch to feed a whole family you know things like that it comes out of necessity sometimes but you know what, what's amazing about some of the foods that we have they're so basic i mean the transformation of a, a melaton or eggplant or a potato is something extraordinary it's an incredible thing because anybody can cook mm-hmm. frogue or a filet mignon and make that taste good. It taste, it's like it's like not it's not, not screwing it up. you take it to something right. amazing like lobster or shrimp, you're not going to do too bad with that. But when somebody just gives you an eggplant, you look at this like where's where this going to go? Or or a sack of <laughs> potatoes, and you know there's uh-huh. there's easy way to do it, but there's ways to make these things uh, you know uh tr- transformed into something totally exquisite. And it's, yeah. and it's, How about a kakutza? Have there.
3: you done anything exquisite with a kakutza?
9: Well, you know what? I have kakutza, and it's one of my favorites. Um, is it really? Actually, uh, yes, and it's, uh, I'm kind of astonished that more people don't know about it. Um, and also, <laughs> I learned something that really kind of blew my mind. I always thought it was like a squash, but apparently. Yeah, it's that's a what gourd. I think it
3: is. It's not?
9: It's a gourd. It's a gourd. Oh, that's and right,
3: yeah.
9: Okay. That kind of explains the texture of it a little bit. And you know, and I like like the idea of like you know to me merloton, cacuzza, squash, you know these things are like like different types of meats where where each one of those vegetables lends itself itself to a certain interpretation now the, the way I do cacuzza, I make it a la Creole, so it's basically a vegetarian Creole with with uh, tomato, garlic, simmer onions, various peppers, and then we use this uh, cheese, a spe- special cheese cas cheese, which is a a mild sweet cheese. It's similar to like let's say, um, let's say, uh, Arina Gouda, or 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 like a like a creamy, um, mid-firm cheese. But you know, it's got kind of its own little flavor. and It's a little bit different than Provolone. A little more, a little more exciting. And uh, I use that as a like a, a to, to shave over it. And I, every mm-hmm. everybody I've served this dish, she loves it. It's mild. Mm-hmm. It's a mild flavor, and it's just uh-huh. to me, it's similar. To, the closest thing I can think of is Merloton. Just like melaton is by itself is kind of nothing. But it's you know, nothing. Not they're all these
3: things that you're describing. They're nothing. It's like you have to put the flavor in them. You know.
9: Right. Right. And also too, like, but they what, what those things are all about. It's the texture. There's not, when you cook that melaton perfectly. The texture is sublime. It's different yeah. than a squash uh-huh. because it, it retains a, a right. certain firmness, right? And same thing with Kakuta. Kakuta has a you know like a, when you cook squash. As you cook squash, squash become mushy, you know, softer, which is no problem. Eggplant mm-hmm. the same. But cacuzza has a certain firmness of texture, which makes it a little different than some of the other vegetables, which makes it a li- has a little more interest. You know, And people eat it like, what's this? I'm like, well, oh, there's a story there. And it's also, you know, I know Tom loves to sing and I know he's a fan of Louis Prima, but Louis Prima has this great song called My Cacuzza. It's a great song. <laughs> it, it, it tells a story. like like Wow. I
3: don't
9: know if you know that song. The, the, the lyrics go like, uh, cacuzza grows in Italy. They love it. He explains the dish, Like right? Cucuzza grows in Italy. They love it on the farm. It's something like zucchini flavored with Italian
6: charm. Boom.
9: I'm going to have to look there that up.
3: Tom, do you know that song? Do you know that song with Louis Prima? Oh, a cacuzza grows in Italy? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think he does. Okay, so I, I am very much enjoying this uh, little chat, and I would like you to stay in touch with us as we follow your um, your sure. newfound career, because it, you are incredibly passionate, which I love, and uh, I, I think that it's wonderful to hear that someone... You know, out of the ashes, you know, has, uh, there's a phoenix rising, so this is exciting. Do you have plans for a brick-and-mortar a brick anytime soon?
9: I, I don't. I have places that I, I, I dream about, like, going into, places that, you know, you know, restaurants, uh, there certain biz, uh, buildings that are either, like, have a good vibe or, or someplace never have the uh-huh. best. I have places that I always drive by, like, I would love to go in this place and, do something there, you know? And to me, I would say, you know, the spot that I, I used to work there a long time ago in a spot that I think is the most, um, um, simpatico and serendipitous for me would probably be the spot where Dick and Jenny's used to be. And I think that's sort of like the, the kind of food I serve, which is kind of hearty and home style. It's not fancy, fancy food. I think a lot of restaurants, I mean, the trend is, you know, the whole culinary, uh, culinary school approach, uh, everything seems, you know, it's weird. I, you know, I have, obviously, I have opinions about these things. And and I feel like the food is just so, like, pristine and pretty, but it's kind of cold, too, you know? And, and yes, I totally agree. These are confirmed. When I you totally look agree. at, like, when you look at these restaurants all over the world, like the Pellegrino top 50 restaurants in the world, there's 55 of them, I mean, or 45 out of 50. It looks like they're interchangeable. It's like, yeah, of course. you know, it's almost like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, so, I'm out of term, but okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna we have to we have to go right? in just
3: a minute so i want i want you to wrap up a couple of things but let me just yeah. say this if anybody out there has surplus money that you would like to invest in a restaurant this sounds like a good bet because <laughs> i the dick and jenny space i think is open and uh yeah, and is. you don't i would i would go ahead and take a uh i would i would take a chance on you you sound like you are super fired up and I'm excited for you. you've definitely got me excited for you. So the, if you could, the, if you the, you could wrap up really quickly in closing where you are and, and give the yeah. details like that. okay? Well, I'm,
9: I'm operating out to Bywater water bakery out of the good graces of, of, of a shy at Alton that, that I've been known for a long, that I've been known in for a long time, so they allow uh-huh. me to do a pop-up on Wednesdays, which I do from from um, uh, basically noon to six on Wednesdays, and I do live food then. And then uh, I also do takeout from uh, Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday from 5.30 to 7.30. But this week, the opportunity was presented because they were out of town. So I am doing a live pop-up from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. from today on until Tuesday. So it's, it's okay. fun to be able to do that.
3: Okay. And it's Dom's?
9: Dom's Soul Kitchen at 3624. Dom's Soul Kitchen. Soul Kitchen. Okay. And, okay. Uh, Street. I have a Facebook page. Okay. A group page, and you can my, I post my menus there and everything else.
3: Okay. And my name is Michael so, Dominici. Okay, so Dom's Soul Kitchen on Facebook. Would yeah. you Would you send us details about where you are and what you're doing? We want to have you back. Okay. Send it to Tom sure. at nomenu.com, Okay. Okay. Thank you. Very much that. pleasure talking to you. Good luck Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I love the I love the fact that in every disaster there is opportunity and i am always excited to see people that first of all recognize it and then jump in there and act on it it's a wonderful thing and it just uh, is a testament to the twists and turns that are available in life if you can just settle in for a second and have a real hard look and find them we will be back after the top of the hour news on louisiana radio network
1: the best place for cutting-edge news and talk about southeastern Louisiana is the John Mason Show. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. on WGSO 990 AM. Broadcasting live from the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana.
10: ...place at the Lincoln Memorial.
11: You know, we need to obey the law. I'm black. And she said, look, black people stick together. When I was walking last night in Washington, D.C. and others, I was black. Why well, was I attacked by blacks? And those black women who were supposed to support black men, their amounts were far more vicious and far more filthy than the men who, black men who were making those comments.
10: Georgia State Representative Vernon Jones speaking there on Fox News. The Democratic-led House Foreign Affairs Committee is launching contempt proceedings against Secretary of State Mike Pompeo for what it says is his repeated refusal to cooperate with the committee's investigations. New York Democrat Elliot Engel chairs that committee. This is USA Radio News.
11: Attention radio listeners. Have you ever wanted to be independent of the utility companies and actually generate your own supply of off-grid electrical power? If so, this is going to be the most important message you'll ever hear. Here's why. A limited number of solar-powered backup generators are back in stock and now available. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no fumes, and produces an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running silently, secretly, in your own home. Run sump pumps, shortwave radios, computers, even keep food from spoiling. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more. That's MySolarBackup.com. Supplies are still limited and are available on a first-come, first-served basis only mysolarbackup.com
10: with a recap of president trump's acceptance speech at the republican national convention here's usa radio network's chris barnes in washington
12: joe biden is weak president trump taking direct aim last night at democratic presidential nominee joe biden he takes his
10: marching orders from liberal hypocrites who drive their cities into the ground while fleeing far from the scene of the wreckage. An angry mob of demonstrators in Washington, D.C., surrounded Kentucky Senator Rand Paul and other lawmakers as they were leaving the White House on Thursday night. Paul telling Fox News the FBI needs to investigate how all these people got to Washington, D.C.
6: My feeling is that there is interstate criminal traffic being paid for across state lines, but you won't know it unless you arrest them. Otherwise you just think, oh, these are the you know, some normal hoodlums from a big city.
10: You're listening to USA Radio News. it's legal for President Trump to deliver his Republican Party nomination acceptance speech at the White House. Democrats have been raising concerns about the Hatch Act which generally forbids the use of government property and employees for political activities. The president and vice president are exempt from the act, though. President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, on the Hatch Act.
2: Well, I can tell you that, that all the criticism that comes out uh, against this president is from the normal suspects, John. Let's, let's face it, uh, there was not a single federal dollar that was spent on the convention last
0: some rain bands repeated over the same areas will come and go yet, but it will continue to be less frequent as we go to the evening and overnight hours, some possibly with heavy rains. Gradual lessening of the winds as we go to the evening tonight and overnight. Returning showers and thunderstorms, with some squalls or rain bands tomorrow. Again, the threat will be if one of those get overhead, could produce some heavy rains. Overnight lows of 70s back into the 80s for the afternoon tomorrow. Ralph
1: Sanji, WGSO. Think about everything that you save. You save gas, you save money, you save time. But have you ever thought about saving life? That's right, life. In just one hour, you could save up to three lives, giving three people more time with the ones they love. And isn't that the best thing to save? In just one hour, you could save up to three lives, giving three people more time with the ones they love. The need for blood.
2: Make into blow and be part of the world, the world that's here on the Fool Show. Thank you. Thank you. And those <laughs> who have never, never done so, I look forward to meeting you and delivering a <laughs> good life.
3: All right. Good wow. Day. What an intro. Let's go to Ron, the gourmet waiter.
12: Hey, good afternoon. How is everyone?
3: Oh, we're good, thanks. How about you?
12: Uh, doing well, uh, Marianne. I just sent you Michael Dominici's contact information with his permission, and also the menu that he's got available for at least today.
3: He
2: sent. She sent that over yesterday.
3: Um, okay. Thank you. Thank you.
12: Yeah, Michael. Um, Michael is the cousin of the guy Alvin Babino that's been tapping the tray in the piano bar at Pat O'Brien's for the last forty-five years.
3: Ah, okay. Well, he certainly uh, is passionate, I will say that. Hmm?
12: Yeah, you know what he reminds me of is another guy that uh, actually got his start as a GM. There was a restaurant uh, right across the street from Dante's Kitchen. Wait, 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 that's it, actually, Dante's Kitchen, okay? And his name was Neil McClure. Yeah, yeah. Neil McClure was the GM. So what Ah. Neil did is Neil started doing pop-ups, and then he opened up a barbecue restaurant on... Close to Valanson, uh close to Valenson uh-huh. Magazine, in that area. Yep. Uh, un- unfortunately, the, the, the proximity to the neighbors, it was just too much, and he kind of smoked them out a little bit. So he ended up <laughs> having to move. And what uh-huh. he did is he, uh, as everybody knows, he's got a partnership with NOLA Brewery now. Uh-huh. That's Neil McClure doing the barbecue and also the crawfish and some other things over there at NOLA Brewery. On I always thought the
3: his place. barbecue was great.
12: Yeah, you know, I actually competed against him in a barbecue competition. It was just a very, very small fundraiser at Holy Name of Jesus
3: uh-huh. uh, Grammar
12: School, which is where I went to grammar school on uh, on Calvin Street, Uptown. And that's how I met him. He was actually one of the guys putting it on. Anyway, it reminds me because I could definitely see Michael Dominici uh, doing something like that. You know, pop-ups are a, f- a great first start.
3: They are. The, uh, yeah.
12: the Barwater Bakery is that red building on the corner of Orleans, I mean, of... Uh, Independence yeah, I've been, been there. Yeah, I used to live next door to it, and there was a guy named Adam Farrington. And Adam actually owned that building, and he sold the building to whoever owns it now. So it's kind of really interesting because that Bywater uh, art lofts are right across the street there. So it's kind of a really neat area. It's, it's definitely up and coming.
3: Yeah, well, it's uh it's definitely a hip area and got a lot of people, a lot of foot traffic. I mean, for that, you know, for a neighborhood, it's got some foot traffic, but um, it's not a very big place. So when he was talking about, uh, when he was talking about, it's sort of being based out of there, I was thinking that's not a very big, oh, I didn't look in the kitchen, but anyway, it's, uh, mm-hmm. I-, I just am excited for him and I'm-, I'm hoping that he does very well and good luck to him.
12: As well, uh, one one dish I'd like to challenge him to cook, and I'm going to tell him this, because I, it, it was a dish that we had uh, at Marcello's when I was a waiter over there by Lee Circle. It was the Arancini that we've been talking about.
2: Mm-hmm.
12: I would love to have him make his own version of Arancini. I'm going over there tomorrow, so I'm going oh, to ask him. I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go over there about 3 o'clock tomorrow. Hint, hint. So, um, anyway... Uh, yeah, I'm going to ask him if he'll try to put some Maranchini on the menu for either Monday or Tuesday. That way I can go back and get it, and uh, kind of see what uh, what his version's like. But yeah, I agree 100 percent on the energy. He he sounds stoked.
3: Yeah, excited, very excited for him.
12: You bet. Thank you very much. You'll have a great weekend.
3: You take care, Ron. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Uh, yes, I, I am. I am excited when someone is excited, especially about something that they just grabbed, that they saw before them, and an opportunity that they can just run with. And he certainly seems to be running with that, and I'm very, very happy to uh, let people know where he is. So let's not forget about going to the Bywater Bakery to pick up some food from Dom's Soul Kitchen. Tom, Beringer Winery. You know Beringer, huh? Today is National Red Wine Day, so Beringer Winery. Been gone a while bought by well, the Foster's everything. Brewing Company of Australia, but the brand is still around, isn't it? Can't you still get Behringer? I haven't seen it in quite a while. Is that right? Huh, okay. Well, anyway, they, uh, they were bought by a company in Australia, Foster's Brewing Company. They had, under previous owners, already evolved into a medium low-end winery with a few excellent flagship wines. The years, their overall quality has improved in the last few years, but that may be because wines in general have improved a lot. Behringer's wines have become more popular. A recent survey, well, this was not that recent, placed them at number one in sales in restaurants. So obviously it's a popular thing in restaurants. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. We said it was National Cornbread Day, so I'm going to read what you have here, Tom. Cornbread has a distinctly country, home cooked identity. When you start talking about cornbread, you gotta, I'm gonna read exactly the way you wrote it. When you start talking about cornbread, you gotta get yourself into a southern drawl. You guess that's why you only rarely see cornbread in restaurants, or it could be that restaurants can't buy ready made cornbread of any quality, it must be baked on site. Why not? It's simple enough. Cornmeal, flour, baking powder, and soda, eggs, milk, and oil, unless you want to get ambitious and add cheese and jalapeno peppers and the like. I love cornbread when you find a good one. Do you know of a good one, Tom? A new what? A good cornbread out there in a restaurant.
2: uh, That's a a dish that I think is rarer than we tend to think of uh, and doesn't have all that many vendors that serve it so it's uh that's a tough one and uh they they tend to be in very small groups and and big big tables at the end showing you
3: you know what i think is the best cornbread (laughs) forgive me restaurateurs but i feel like the best cornbread is found in a cornbread mix and what is it well, Eastern. I remember, and I, I'm sorry to say this, but I really do think it's true. We used to use at my home of origin, Jiff. Wait, is it Jiffy cornbread or Jiff? Jiff, I don't know, one or the other. Jiff is the peanut butter, so it must be Jiffy cornbread. But it was a little white box, and it just had cornbread on it. And then you put milk and egg in there, and it was a really good recipe. But I think it was very heavy on the flour, and not so much on the cornmeal. And I've made cornbread from recipes on the side of a cornmeal box. And I think that they tend to be a little grainy for my taste. My favorite cornbread right now, and I'll bet you it is something as simple as what I just said, it is the giant slab of cornbread that you get with butter beans and what amounts to a really good slice of sausage at Pontchartrain poor boys. I love their little slab of cornbread and I don't want to eat cornbread generally speaking, but I find myself taking a bite and saying, I'm just going to have a bite. And then the next thing I look, it's gone. It is a, um, it's a less grainy and more, more floury version of cornbread. And I like that. And I think that is what you get when you tend to go with a mix. I've had really exotic cornbreads. There are restaurateurs in town that are making cornbreads that are out of premium corn flour. They're putting corn in and cheese and all that. But for the most part, I think the simpler is better. Our daughter loves cornbread and is always ready to try a cornbread whenever she sees it and would also concur with me that it is rare to find a cornbread that you can get excited about. But I will finish reading the remainder of your cornbread dissertation here, Tom. Most cornbread is baked in a cast iron pan from the kind that has impressions of ears of corn to full-size black iron skillets. The main controversy over cornbread is the texture and sweetness. The more flour in the mix, the smoother the crumb. You use more cornmeal if you like it good and crumbly. All cornbread has at least a little sugar in it, but some recipes have quite a lot and taste distinctly sweet. Both flavors have vocal partisans who love one and hate the other. I think that's true. Cornbread may be too assertive, to be served as the only bread on a dinner table, but certain dishes uh, run, cry out for it. Red beans and rice, fried catfish, barbecue come to mind. The best cornbread in New Orleans was the jalapeno cheese cornbread at Cape Hall's, followed closely by Emerald's cornbread with whole corn kernels inside. Most of us have always had our cornbread at home for breakfast. And then you talk about your, your cornbread that your mom made, breakfast cornbread. Right out of the oven with cane syrup to dip it in. Sounds good. Yeah, your mom made cornbread to dip in cane syrup for breakfast, Tom.
2: Uh, no, it was one of my aunts who did it.
3: There was a lot of a lot of sugar happening in that house. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: Mimi's is the best restaurant that has ever been in Saint Bernard Parish. A magic combination of terrific owner, hospitality, and talented chef combined with a charming atmosphere to offer you a great dining experience. Don't miss oysters here. They have two or three different kinds. All wonderful a terrific burger if you must, great steaks too, Thursday is steak night, Mimi's 712 Judge Perez in Chalmette, 644-4992, com. There's a new restaurant in the Warehouse District offering the fresh and fun flavors of the Caribbean and delicious tastes of New Orleans. Nola Kay features the best of both regions with dishes like tuna ceviche, red curry shrimp, Freshly shucked oysters, cumin-spiced strip steak, and desserts like caramel flan, tres leches, and key lime pie. And signature cocktails like the Bloody Jerk using their house-made mix. Nola K, 898 Barone, at St. Joseph, nolak.com. Bistro Orleans, it's back with its familiar classic New Orleans cuisine. In a casual setting, serving only Louisiana oysters, and always wild-caught Desalman's catfish. And the seafood boat, Carnival Time Lounge, has happy hour Wednesday through Friday. Bistro Orleans is open daily for lunch. At 11, dinner Wednesday through Sunday, Bistro Orleans, 3216 West Esplanade in Metairie, 304-1469. Night and day, you are the one.
3: On your day. I wonder how our new friend Michael would feel about that. Probably pretty good. Those are good. Is he a singer? T- well, he was just talking to us about how much he likes uh, Gershwin and such. You yes.
2: couldn't hardly uh, hold could them out for
3: yeah. that. How, how could you not? Five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six is the number. Tom, today was the first day that commercials were heard in radio. Hmm. Yeah, according to your almanac. Today is the anniversary of the first paid-for broadcast commercial aired on New York radio. Uh, the station was WEAF for an apartment development in 1922. Until that time, everyone was excited about radio, but nobody had figured out who would pay for the cost of broadcasting. So on that note, let's, Sorry, just, I didn't catch let's that. just say on that note... Um, Please uh, support our advertisers because they are the ones that keep the show coming to you. And I wanted to mention also two things about the last batch of commercials, two little, uh, what we call tags in the business. Mimi's out in Chalmette has been the beneficiary of the shakeup around town of places that have closed. They now have the former chef. At Emeralds, uh Philip Luceri down at Mimi's. That's going to definitely change the um, it's gonna shake things up down there. Just like the arrival of Gus Martin from Dickie Brennan's group is shaking things up at Keith Young's, and someone I can't say is going to shake things up on the North Shore. And uh, the who else is who else, oh yeah Nick Neil Swidler is over at Felix's now These are all restaurants that have either closed or temporarily or you know their their future is uncertain and so it um, it spun off some chefs that are now going to change the fortunes of other restaurants and these are things that just, Happened just like we were talking to uh, Michael Domenici about the opportunity that he saw out there. And uh, good for him and for everyone else who is making changes based on this bizarre new world of ours. Tom, your words to eat by today are?
2: Yeah. Let's see how dumb I can get.
3: <laughs> if you ever have to support a flagging conversation introduce the topic of
2: um it's what we do bananas we and it's what we do and uh and oysters
3: food tom the topic of eating
2: just just kidding <laughs>
3: Lee Hunt, a British writer, died today in 1859. And that is a very good quote indeed because you have made a 32 year career out of talking about nothing but food. First part was right too. Remarkable. <laughs> and as like, when I, whenever I get emails from people about missing this podcast or when this is going to be up, or we get, incredible feedback on things that we say on the show. And I just think, wow, it's just a silly little show. But, uh, you know, we're grateful for it. But, you know, it's food. That's what we do. We talk about food. That's all there is to it. The uh, There's a person named Anne Honey Lantry from the British rock group The Honeycombs was born today in 1943. The reason I bring that up is that We don't do this, I've not seen it here in this country, but in Europe, at a breakfast buffet, you are very likely to see a honeycomb. Have you ever seen that, Tom? Because we don't oh, always honeycomb, travel honeycomb, together. We don't always travel here together. My honeycomb.
2: Is, <laughs> is that the one you were looking for? I wasn't
3: looking for the song. Have you been to a breakfast buffet in Europe where there is a big sheet of a honeycomb? That's it. It's like part of the buffet.
2: They like buffets. No, and, I,
3: I, and yeah, they, I know. But I mean, so we like buffets too. But I don't ever see a honeycomb just sitting there on a buffet.
2: No, I. It, it you do in Europe. You're in Europe, Europe, they're always doing uh, the.
3: It's it's like and and it's it's really hot too. I mean, people they replace the honeycomb pretty fast, and I mm-hmm. I I wouldn't even know what to do with the honeycomb. I mean, I, I, well, I know, That's but right. but I don't. First of all, I don't eat that much honey, but I don't even know how I would you know go into it. I I never did actually watch someone do that, but. It's just, you know, it's like we talk sometimes about the, the difference in the food here and there, but that's one of the things that, that whenever I see the word honeycomb, I think of buffets in Europe where there's a honeycomb just sitting there with the breads and the butters and the big old honeycomb all by itself. I mean, not by itself, but it stands up, a big honeycomb, not a little one, a big one. Today in 1879, 1878, George Whipple was born. He's the man that discovered that pernicious anemia can be by feeding the patient liver.
2: They're talking a lot about liver these days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At Liger-
3: I was wondering where this was going, but Liger- you talked about places you can get liver Liger in town, right? And,
2: uh, uh, hoghead cheese.
3: Liv- oh no, we're talking about we're talking about that sandwich. Nicole, if you're listening, you have to put that triangle sandwich of liver cheese and hogshead cheese together in one of your Dorgnecks triangle sandwiches. Uh I'm 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 about to go and try some of that liver cheese since people are making a run on it. Uh, it's, I guess that you could use this to, to help with the liver problem. But uh, liver is served around town at a couple of restaurants, and more so now, I think, than it used to be. It, about, what, maybe 10, 15, well, no, more like maybe, maybe 15, 20 years ago. And I mean I can't really say this with any authority because I don't ever look for liver but it didn't seem to me like you would see liver too much in restaurants
2: it seems to me that it would be kind of tough to get one
3: Well you can actually get liver pretty I think there's a lot more liver on a menu now Do you think so? No,
5: All right, Pascal's Panelli
3: has liver. Mandina's has liver. Clancy's has liver. And you have chicken livers. I've seen those at Porter and Luke Fried. Um, There was a place that I was surprised to see them. I'm trying to think of what it was. But it's actually kind of a hip thing now to see a big pile of fried chicken livers. Chicken liver mousse, which tends to be
2: not
3: for everybody. It's a, it's a Jewish thing, right? It's a Jewish deli thing, chicken liver, moose. But you're seeing that as a hip sort of um, thing for the table sometimes, places that you wouldn't expect to see a liver moose. So I think liver has become, um, I won't say, I won't say, totally hip, but it's definitely being seen in places that you wouldn't expect to see liver. I mean, when I was, when I was younger, to me, if you ate liver, you were probably over 60. And it was something that you ate back in the 40s or 50s. But now you're seeing, you're seeing liver in places you wouldn't like, especially see it. Anyway, if you're a liver eater and you know of a good place to get liver, there are people who are looking for liver. So give us a call, please, because we would like to know. We have a caller? All around the... Uh... Sal would like to talk to us. Let's talk to Sal. Hi, Sal.
7: Hi. How are you all doing?
3: We're doing good. How about you?
7: Excellent. I just wanted to call in and give a new old restaurant report, if that makes Ooh, sense. Oh, yes. It's a, please. A, re- a restaurant that's fairly new to the scene, but has been around a while. And I called in and gave a report on some of their signature dishes. But I went off the beaten path and on the menu and ordered something that I wouldn't normally order. And it was tremendous. And I'm speaking directly to you, Marianne. <gasps> okay. If you go to Hambone... In addition to the fried chicken, in addition Mm -hmm. to the Oyster's Marcy and all of the wonderful things that they have, have you tried the Double Royal hamburger?
3: I haven't because every time I'm there, every time I'm there, I want to get something else instead. And I always say I've got to go back and get the hamburger. You liked it?
7: It was the best burger I have ever had outside of Healdsburg, California on my honeymoon at a place that is no longer there. Which they mixed lamb and beef into their burgers, but this one is pure beef, and it's on a brioche bun. It was the most delicious burger I've ever had, and I've and we're we're big burger fans in our family. Occasionally, we'll probably mm-hmm. do that once every couple months, mm-hmm. and we've been to the icons of burgers around town. You know, mm. Backyard Burger in Lakeview. We've been to. Port of call, we've been to Camellia Grill, all of the the iconic burgers around town, but nothing, nothing compares to this. This is truly a gourmet burger.
3: Well, that's a truly gourmet place.
7: It really is. It really is. it's,
3: It's a fantastically great place. Now, you know what? I've discovered a place not far from there which is also serving gourmet food. And I just uh, I'm I'm amazed at the food that is coming out of this little teeny tiny place. But have you been to that little place, Rieger's on the Trace?
7: Not yet. I saw it. I saw it right across from the trailhead. Right.
3: It's right across from the trailhead. It's really really good.
7: Like Now is that mostly sandwiches and salads?
3: And it so is, forth, but, it's, but it's is really as well? It's really good. Like I mean, um, we got a call on uh, on the band grocery, which is also newly opened down there. And, you know, it's good. It's 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 fine, it's fine sandwiches. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about wow. We're talking about, wow, this is a gourmet version of fill in the blank, you know?
7: Right. Right. So, I mean, When you're talking about homemade bread and butter pickles being put on a sandwich, that, that tells you that they're putting forth the effort to make sure that it is not something you can go down the street and just get there.
3: No, Hambone is an outstanding...
7: It restaurant is. it is I've it looks bizarre it's a
3: strange little place but it is outside. <laughs> all, right. all right you either have to hang on we have a very hard break if you want to talk some more we can hold on but we have the bottom of the hour no, news okay. right I'm about now to
7: pull into the uh, driveway and okay I'll let Take y'all care. go thank you
8: Bye-bye. louisiana radio network i'm mad doyle The water situation in Lake Charles is dire, with three of the city's six plants non-operational and the other three on minimal capacity. That's led to an evacuation of Memorial Hospital patients and a warning to residents who insist on staying in the devastated city from the mayor that if you can leave, you should. Lake Charles Mayor Nick Hunter says the city has suffered historic damage, but...
1: It is fixable, it is rebuildable,
4: and we are a resilient population. We are a resilient people. We have done this before. We can do it again, and you know what? We're going to do it better.
8: And a family of five is dead in Lake Charles, reportedly from carbon monoxide poisoning linked to their generator. And in-person classes in Lake Charles won't be available for weeks at McNeese State University. Spokesperson Candace Townsend says the school's new health and human performance complex is seriously damaged.
7: Several of our other buildings have roof damage where the roofs were peeled back, and so we've got some water intrusion there.
8: And Saints and Pelicans owner Gail Benson reportedly has COVID-19. LRN.
7: Tiger rag
4: protecting the American people. Coronavirus is highly contained, can still be.
6: Let me start off by saying. 2019 was an
10: incredible year for the Tigers. 2020, however.
7: Is the
5: crazy part, ladies and gentlemen. Even without sports for the last few months,
10: we here at Tiger Rack Magazine have been telling the stories behind LSU Athletics. And it's been filling our pages with can't
7: miss content. Now, we're looking forward to filling Tiger Stadium this fall. I have never had anything but a good time. But we got to
10: keep that coronavirus under control. The spread of coronavirus
4: is a serious matter. We're all in this together. The sports world is constantly moving
10: and constantly changing, and Tiger Rack keeps you updated at the newsstands and on the web at TigerRack.com.
7: On the internet or what? When it
4: comes to LSU Athletics, Tiger Rag magazine is the MVP
7: most valuable publication. I'm standing in a cave with five full-grown tigers in line. Catch the stories you need to know with
10: the real Tiger King online
2: at Tiger When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings and lots of things are seldom what they seem.
3: Yes, indeed. True, true, true. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. We're talking here on the Food Show on this Friday afternoon. TGIF, the end of the week. The end of another month. Unbelievable. Uh, and getting barreling toward the end of a pretty bizarre year. That's for sure. But we're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about things that give us pleasure, like food, and how nice it is to talk about Mm. things like hamburgers. Right, Tom? It's kind of a long reach. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sal, the caller before the bottom of the hour, was talking about a little place in Mandeville Mm. called Hambone, which is an unusual name for a place and an unusual place, and unusual food, but unusual meaning incredibly good. These are, you know, we talked in the beginning of the show about Lola in Covington, and uh, the, the two proprietors of Lola and the two proprietors of Hambone and actually a number of other places on the North Shore, are restaurateurs who are married, who met at work somewhere, usually an A-list restaurant, have moved to the North Shore for their children and are operating pretty damn good restaurants over here, thus elevating the level of dining uh, considerably on the North Shore. Hambone is spectacularly good food. Wouldn't you say, Tom? Yeah. Spectacular. Oyster's Marcy. Tom? Yes. Uh, that's, <laughs> Tom that's is riveted that, by the rain. What? In that
2: uh, New Orleans Parish uh,
3: Oyster's Marcy at Hambone. You have talked and talked and talked about how wonderful the Oyster's Marcy is. I uh, have to say I don't understand your fascination with that particular dish, but there are others there that I find just just off the charts fantastic. That is a great restaurant. Do not be alarmed by the exterior of it, which kind of looks like a preschool. But anyway, uh, great food. great food being brought to the table there. As far as burgers go, though, there are a lot of good burgers out there. And, um, and I, I think that not far from there is uh, that cute little place, Rieger's. And that burger is good, but also some other things are really great. And I'm kind of curious about them. I kind of feel like there might be a very similar story there. That's a, chef from here who lived in Canada for 12 years and he's married I don't know if there's a young child there too but I kind of feel like it may be a very similar situation but there is some really good food in downtown Mandeville I mean I was just thinking about about the places I I was showing someone some houses down in Mandeville because they're thinking about moving to the north shore and I took them around the Mandeville lakefront, and we, you know, she's not a fan of Covington, which is something I totally don't understand. But um, I think that you're either a Covington person or a Mandeville person, and those are not the same person. And um, she really liked the Mandeville lakefront and all a lot, and then we went into downtown Mandeville, which is not much of a downtown. But I was pointing out this restaurant and that restaurant on the street, and I realized that Mandeville has some really great restaurants in that downtown area. There's Hambone, there's, and I didn't even tell her about the little Rieger's place, which is new to our knowledge. There's Nuvelari's, which is a terrific Italian restaurant, an unusual looking place, but terrific. There's a little wine bar called the Grapeful, wait, the Grape, as in grape, Grapeful Ape. Strange name, but apparently a very good wine bar. There's the Lake House on the lakefront. There's Oak Oven, Cafe Lynn. I mean, all of these are really, really nice restaurants. So there's a lot of good eating in a little tiny place like downtown Mandeville. Also great eating in downtown Covington but you know these are these are just not things that you would expect to to see in little you know bedroom communities. I mean we were talking about Chifuncta and having gone to Chifunctas' which is the new revolution style restaurant which is going way upscale um, in Madisonville, which has Keith Young's and also Keith's new place, uh, five five girls I mean that 's great eating too so there 's a lot of a lot of good places uh, to eat on the north shore five five six nine six nine six is the number if you would like to talk to us, we would love to talk to you. I introduced the idea earlier in the show about Hurricane Katrina and how Hurricane Katrina has changed the culinary landscape of New Orleans. This is a Let's see, what can I say about that? This is a point that I think a lot of people recognize. Um, Maybe a lot of them are not as worked up about it as I am, but it's kind of a soapbox for me. But uh, I think that there's a very changing face of New Orleans cuisine which gets away from the traditional, I hate to say cliche New Orleans, but it is, and more into global, ethnically inspired cuisine, which doesn't really have anything to do with the regional cuisine of this area. But I I believe that the influx of people and by that I mean kids who came here 10 years ago or 15 years ago um, to rebuild the city, and then their friends moved here 10 years ago, have definitely changed the dynamic of the city, but culinarily as well, for sure. And I think that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of I mean we, we have a very distinct regional cuisine that goes back hundreds of years and there are people who have come in like the Cajuns for example that have their own cuisine and and there's a lot of Caribbean influence but all of this has melded together over many you know hundred years hundreds of years uh, to have this very distinctive New Orleans cuisine there's the Italians from the early part of the 20th century have influenced Italian food in this city. But then there's this new generation of people who don't actually have a strong culinary identity, you know, who may have come from a place like Wisconsin or Kentucky, and, and there's not necessarily a real strong identity there. And, and so they can't, they don't really necessarily understand how steeped in tradition the New Orleans cuisine is. And so there's a lot of food out there that's, that's, you know, not, not as good. I mean, that's the word for it. It's not as good. It's about something else other than tasting. It's about sustainability. It's about all of these things that are emotional concepts and not really about, hey, what's on my plate and how does it taste? And I feel like that's a big, big change 15 years later after Katrina. And it's, um, well, it's frankly disturbing to me. And I think it is to a lot of people. People tell me this off the air all the time. And I'm just wondering if anyone else has any thoughts about that. 556 five, nine, six, nine, six is the number on this day before the 15-year anniversary of the of the natural phenomenon that changed New Orleans forever. I mean, I I was talking to someone earlier today about the times that we're living in, and um, they were saying something as though they'd been living for a thousand years. I said that because you only know about your lifetime; you don't know what was happening you know, 600 years ago, and just saying, in this period of time, this is a big development on the culinary scene of New Orleans, Katrina, and the aftermath of Katrina, and the number of people that came in, the number of who left, and the number of people who came in, and those are definitely not the same people, and uh, the culinary landscape of New Orleans has changed forever as a result of that. 5569696, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back.
2: Tony Mandina's roots go back to Salaparuta, Sicily. His father left in 1924, but those connections are still powerful. The restaurant uses extra virgin olive oil and wines made at Villa Mandina in the ancestral home. Tony's restaurant started in 1982 with 14 tables and has grown to seat 180 with his daughters and granddaughter running it now. Now, this West Bank favorite still serves their delicious Sicilian New Orleans menu in a place that feels like home. And pick up some of their famous red gravies sold in groceries all over town. Tony Mandina's, 1915 Pratt Street, Gretna, 362-2010. I've loved the Maple Street Cafe from the first time I walked into the place. Jamil Kutob turns out well-executed dishes that hint of the Mediterranean. But with a real New Orleans spirit, the grilled fish here is particularly excellent, but I have never had anything I didn't love. Call 314-9003 for their daily specials, which are exceptionally good and an exceptional value. Maple Street Cafe, 7623 Maple Street, Uptown. If you haven't been to the Brick Oven Cafe in Kenner, you're overdue. This is not northern Italian gourmet food. It's a basic soul-satisfying pasta with red sauce and cheese bubbling over. New York-style pizza with a perfect crust and the toppings you love. It has a fresh update and a new wine list with some exciting wines. Go have a heartwarming Italian meal with a delicious red wine. You deserve it. The Brick Oven Cafe, Williams Boulevard at Veterans Highway, four six six two zero nine seven. You make me feel so young.
3: And that's it. Make you feel so young. We're going to go right back to the phones now. We have CJ on the line. Hi, CJ. Hello. Hello. Hello.
6: Hey, how you doing? We're doing good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing real good, real good. I was just calling about, commenting about, you're, you're talking about that cultural shift. Yes. And I think, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. I've pretty much observed that myself. Uh, you know, you mentioned like Pontiac Poor Boy, which I love also. Uh, boy, you walk in there and, you know, who's eating a, a roast beef poor boy or an oyster poor boy or something like that? I think the average age is about 60. And uh-huh. millennials are going to go somewhere else, you know, that they're not yep. eating that. that That's right. I know when, yep. like when I was a kid, that was pretty much common lunch fare. That's right.
3: <laughs> well, I don't think it's, I don't think it's millennials in general. I think it's, I think it's, well, I mean, yes, it is millennials in general, but um, I think it's the millennials who have come from someplace else who don't really understand what a poor boy is and what it represents to their new home. You
6: know what I mean? Yes, you're right about that. Yeah, I agree.
3: Um, I mean, they're, they're they're much more likely to get a Ba Min, and those are the same thing to them. But it's not the same thing. And, no. the, and the Vietnamese influx into the city, which happened, you know, 20 years before that, um, has really, really changed the culture of the, uh, cuisine in the city. And I, I, I'm wondering if maybe 10 or 20 years from now, it will be viewed the same way as the Sicilian Italians. I don't know, because there's a lot of, great Vietnamese food in town that has been incorporated into the Creole thing by the likes of Michael Galata, for example, at Mo, Mo, what am I trying, (laughs) MoFo, MoFo, I'm trying to say Mojo, but MoFo, I mean, there's, there's a Vietnamese influence that he has taken and spun it into a shaker with Creole and it comes pretty crazy delicious yeah. you know yeah,
6: sort of
3: an infusion. well yeah i mean but now you know back back in the day when the sicilians came there was probably something like that too i mean what you're talking about is a really yes right right but it's but it's it's an embedded part of our culture now Yes, i think that the vietnamese influence was a very strong cultural thing too that has permeated the culture, and it's not, it's not fused into the Sicilian-Italian thing. It's a different thing, but it's two really big influences, whereas the kids that are coming in from Peoria or Austin or any of these other places, they're not bringing with them as a big block of people a whole cultural identity. You know what I mean?
6: I agree. I- Exactly know what you mean. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've, I've been observing that quite a while so. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm not happy about it.
6: <laughs> yeah. it, it just, yeah. You mentioned the Vietnamese the Vietnamese influence. Uh, one thing that's been really happening lately, the last couple of years, you know, is that twist on the crawfish. The uh, the butter, garlic, hot, spicy
3: Vietnamese style crawfish gotten very popular. Or they're spicy crabs. See, I'm saying that this is a large block of people that came in with a cultural identity. And there's been a fusion, there's been a fusion there. And it's been a delicious fusion. But when you come in and you don't really understand the, the cultural precedent then yeah. I don't think you can add to it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I was I was absolutely livid about a Condé Nast article uh, about six months, eight months ago um, that, I mean, Condé Nast is a travel magazine where you look at it to get ideas about a place to go where you're going to be three days, maybe five days. You know what I mean? So if... If they're being directed to Molly's Rise and Shine, you know, I mean that makes my head pop off. There were right. there were only Mr. B's did not make that list. Um, none of the Grand Dames did, with the exception of Commander's Palace, and that's only because they're the hip one. Wow. But there were no restaurants that were really representative of new orleans on that list well, there you with one it. or two exceptions yep and if if i had come to new orleans using that list as a reference and went back home somewhere and talked to a friend and they said oh how did you like antoine's or how did you like two jacks and i said what what? And they said, "Well, where did you go?" And I said, "Molly's Rise and Shine." They'd probably go, "Huh?" You know. Uh-huh. And that's oh, yeah. that's what I mean. <laughs> that's what <Yeah>. I mean. <laughs>
6: it the problem. I hear you.
3: Yeah, I just I don't I don't get it.
6: Anyway, so that anyway, is. Uh, hmm? I want to, back to your cornbread being today yes. cornbread day. I haven't heard any callers mention. You know, back when I was a kid, uh, when you had leftover cornbread. A very southern thing to do you would take the leftover cornbread i guess it's kind of like couscous but you'd take your cornbread and uh eat it like a cereal put it in uh, at the time it was called either had sweet milk as opposed to buttermilk so you dunk your you put your cornbread in the milk and eat it with a spoon that was kind of interesting and i've done it many times as a kid growing up
3: that's what tom that that was saying he used to his mom did that and put sugar in it too.
6: Yeah. You can add a little sugar. We can use it like a cereal. Just swept yeah. it cornbread, put it in a glass with milk, and some people would choose to use actually more of on the savory side, use uh buttermilk. Cornbread yeah. and milk.
3: Now let me ask you this. You said you mentioned Pontchartrain Poor Boys. Do you like their cornbread? Uh yeah. I, like I love it. their cornbread, and I think it's probably—I mean, I hate to say it—I I don't know for sure, but it seems like something like that you would do from like a mix. You know, it's like it's, it's yeah, just like it's a basic good. cornbread.
6: Um, I'm more of a uh, more of—I guess you'd say—more of a traditional cornbread person. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. You were talking about grainy versus more cakey. Yes. Uh, soft. I'm more of a grainy cornbread okay. kind of person. Okay. So, you know, if I'm going to get cornmeal, obviously you'd add your bacon powder, make it from scratch. Otherwise, instead of the uh, something like a jiffy, I kind of gravitate to the package that says cornmeal mix. Yes.
1: You know, like
6: a right. martha white or an cornmeal mm-hmm. mix. Yes. And that gives me more of the consistency that I'm looking for in the flavor. I'm not into the sweet, mm-hmm. you know, I guess more southern. Cakey.
3: Style. Yeah. Yeah. Tradition. Well, I like yeah. both. I like both, and for some reason, yeah. I'm particularly enamored of the of the little slab of cake-like cornbread yeah. at at uh, Pontchartrain Poor Boys. I, I can't oh, even. Great. I don't even know we, why.
6: I get lunch. I live right around the corner there, not very far. And so yeah, mm-hmm. that's a go-to spot for me and my family. So yeah, it's
3: challenge. it's good stuff. Now, do you do you go across? much go where do you go across the l- much go across the lake much
6: yeah Very south rare. shore no
3: oh no. okay so i was going to so, offer you i was going to offer you something over there do, are you interested in it this sometimes is a
6: now
3: okay there, what,
6: like
3: well week? I, uh-huh but uh, not often i don't go out to eat often you know but okay, okay. well i have a t- I have a $25 gift certificate to Rosie's on the River, which is the bar on top of the Higgins Hotel.
6: Oh, I think I could make which that.
3: Which is a nice Yeah, okay. So then I'm going to let you Don't hang up. Just when when we take you off the air, give Henry your email and I'll be in touch and I'll send that, okay? Very good. Thank you. Okay. I always appreciate having soapbox with me. That's my That's my big soapbox. And and I'm still crowing about it this many years later. 5569696, thank you very much for calling. We are just about out of time and just about out of time for the week and the month and all of that. But um, we have, uh, I wanted to mention people, like I said, people for some reason don't really like to call that much on the air. But they love to tell us what you know, they love to comment about things on the show. So last night I got a, um, an email from someone who's a regular um, They get the newsletter and um, will occasionally comment about things. So it was about bananas. We were talking about bananas yesterday. We were trying to um, talk about the difference in bananas – as a fruit versus a vegetable. And Tom was contending that um, bananas were a vegetable. And I was saying, well, they, they're considered a fruit, aren't they? But I don't know where a seed is. And so um, wrote a rather lengthy thing about Bananas and she she starts with I am here hollering at the podcast because I can't call in and talk to you. It's five fifty eight in the afternoon and I am yelling that banana is a fruit. Uh, bananas are both a fruit and not a fruit. When the banana plant, or the banana plant while the banana plant is colloquially called a banana tree. It's actually an herb distantly related to ginger since the plant has a succulent tree stem instead of a wood one. The yellow thing you peel and eat is in fact a fruit because it contains the seeds of the plant. But I don't ever notice that when I'm eating a banana. I'm going to have to get a banana and make myself eat one. Although since bananas have been commercially grown, the plants are sterile and the seeds have gradually been reduced to little black specks. Slice a banana and you will see a little circle of black specks in a circle in the center of the slice. Those are the seeds. So now I am interested in going to actually get a banana, because I have noticed the seeds but i've not noticed them as seeds i just thought of them as little specks so obviously that is something that's happened as a result of maybe evolution or something but those little black specks are the seeds for the banana i don't know anyway um is is tim mcnally there um henry is tim mcnally standing by oh well never mind then i was going to ask him about national red wine day Tom, what are your favorite red wines? Mm. Is a Pinot Grigio red wine?
2: Uh-huh. That's exactly what
3: it means. It is. Okay. All right. So, actually, I don't really like Pinot. I don't. I like Wait, vin- no. Not, it's Pinot Noir. It's Pinot Noir and Pinot Grigio, right? Yeah. Okay, so the Grigio is the, the white wine. Is that right? Uh, what? The Pinot Gris is a white wine, and Pinot the Pinot and the Pinot Noir is the red wine.
1: That's correct. And
3: they're both from the Pinot grape.
2: Sent to be uh, generally getting lighter and lighter as you go.
3: Okay. So I I don't – I'm trying to think of a red wine that I really like. There is a red wine that I definitely do like, but I don't know the kind of grape. When we had those Flambeau uh, people on, the the family from here that now lives in Napa and does Flambeau wines, F-L-A-M-B-E-A-U-X, that is a mighty fine wine, and it was a red wine, and I liked it a lot. And um, I, haven't, I haven't had it since they brought it, but it's a gorgeous bottle, and it's, it's just a totally classy wine, and it's a really good tasting wine. Italian, obviously. I don't know, it's, it's California Napa. Oh, yeah, that's where they are. A lot of, uh, <clears throat> there are a lot of people. A lot of good red wines with there. With red wine yeah. who live in a lot California. Of all right time for us to say goodbye not totally goodbye i want to tell you that if you would like we managed to stay on the air the whole two hours today henry can we get some applause for that please (laughs) i'm super excited about that so anyway miss any of the show though uh you can catch it on podcast at anchor spotify and those platforms but mostly on nomenu.com so please have a look at our website we have other stuff on there besides It's the podcast. Please tell your friends about the show. They might like a little respite from all the bad news out there, too. That's what we're trying to do here. Uh, We have our newsletter that you can sign up for twice a week. It'll tell you things that are going on, like Dom Soul Kitchen at the Bywater Bakery this weekend. Go see him. You can follow us at the New Orleans Menu. That's at the New Orleans Menu. That's our um, our Instagram. And uh, let's see, Emmy the Story Lady. E-M-M-I-E, that's on Anchor and Spotify. That's my own podcast, Reading to Kids. And Tim McNally's show is up next, The Dine, Wine, and Spirits show. Good night, have a wonderful evening.
0: News with Tim Berg.
10: President Trump is granting a full pardon to Alice Johnson.
12: And we gave a commutation, that means we were able to get alice out and she has been just so outstanding and i'm so proud of you and we're giving alice a full pardon i just told her
10: president trump making that announcement during an oval office ceremony john sentenced to life in prison for a nonviolent drug offense california democratic governor gavin newsom is highlighting the state's continued fight against a devastating